All right, so as you guys are making your way back to your seats, we are in a series that we've been in called We Are Reckless. And, uh, and we've just been, as part of this, just trying to define what we're going to be all about. These things that we um, want to be known for, these things that are going to define us and, uh, and are going to impact the way that we live and who we are this year. And so that's what we've been, been talking through. And so last week, if you uh, weren't here with us, we, we just said that we want to be people who are defined by our love for God and our love for others. We want to be known by how much we love God, how that we are passionately in love with God, and that we love each other, that we love each other well. And so tonight, you guys got a chance with small groups starting to kind of, maybe for some of you, new groups kind of forming for the first time, and you're just trying to get to know each other for the purpose for all of our groups for the purpose of really being committed to each other, to be a place of authentic community to, to where we fight for each other and we have each other's backs. And I'll just say this, this is something we're gonna have to choose. It will not happen naturally in your group. And, uh, and already tonight been uh, aware of a couple situations where this is already at risk, where, hey, are we really gonna be unified together? Are we really gonna fight for each other? And so that's what we want to be about and how that sets a clear picture that's much different than what the world experiences and what the world has to offer is how we love each other and how we love God. So that's what we've been, we talked about last week. So that with all of this stuff that we can kind of help address and, and change a perception that's out there that we talked about last week, that the world looks at us as irrelevant and extreme. And how do we change that perception? And so our love for God and our love for others is the first way that we do that. Now, tonight we're going to talk about something that really creates a lot. This, this is probably the, the area that we're going to feel the most tension when it comes to a culture and a world that thinks that we're irrelevant and extreme. This is where we're going to feel kind of the rub, where we're going to butt heads sometimes the most, where we're going to feel that tension. And it's going to be really important and, um, and a high priority for us in this area to make sure that we do this together. And so it all comes down to what we believe. It all comes down to what we believe. This is that moment for us, a moment of tension that you and I are gonna feel if you haven't already felt already. We're gonna feel this tension when it comes to the beliefs that we have. Our beliefs matter. Our beliefs are important. But here's the thing, the world is full of all kinds of different beliefs. Come on.
Come on. Yeah, you know, I mean, you guys, you guys know what I'm saying, right? So we have a lot of different beliefs. We believe all kinds of different things. We believe we can fly. We believe in life after love. We believe that Todd's an idiot after watching that. We believe all those things and you'd be correct on that. So there's all kinds of things we believe, right? And, um, and this is a big deal in terms of what do we believe and is this, these, are these the things that are actually truth or are they not? And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, as different as our beliefs may be, one thing our culture agrees on is how they feel our beliefs should impact other people. What we should actually do when it comes to how our beliefs impact a society. And so maybe if you guys tonight in your groups, you had a question at the end, maybe you got to it, maybe you didn't that asked your response to a statement, all right? And here was the statement. The statement was, people can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. People can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. And so maybe you had some good discussion around that. Maybe some of you agreed, maybe some of you disagreed. But here is, the the truth is the majority, or well above the majority of U.S. adults, 79%, believe that that's true. 79% of U.S. adults believe that people can have all kinds of beliefs, so as long as you don't impact me or impact, try to force that on society, then it's fine. Ironically, 61%, still a majority, of practicing Christians believe that that's true as well. 61%. Now again, I don't know where you fall in line on that, whether you agree, you disagree, But essentially what we are in is we are in a culture that says that you can believe whatever you want, just don't get too crazy about it. Just don't get too extreme. Don't go too nuts over it. You know, don't believe it too much where you start telling me how I should live or the things that I should do. As long as it doesn't impact me, you can live and believe however you want. And when it when you and I, if we're Christians, that can be tough. That can be a, a difficult culture to, to be able to live in and to be able to, to share our beliefs and what we feel and, and know to be true. Because you and I, we can feel the hatred when we try to help other people believe what we believe. We can feel that resistance. We can feel the pushback on that. There is tension for us when we try to love other people and yet still hold tightly to our beliefs. And that's a difficult thing for us to manage. And especially if you and I believe things like this. If we believe that the Bible is God's word and is not just a book of myths. All right, we're not just irrelevant or extreme. We're idiots if we believe that. Or if we believe that we're not None of us are good people, but we're all lost in our sin, and we are all desperately in need of a Savior. All right, that's going to create some tension. Or if we believe that there's a real heaven and a real hell, 
and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We will offend a lot of people with that statement of other faiths or just people in general. Or when we believe that God's the one that defines marriage, God's the one that defines sexuality, not our culture, not what we decide is best, that we, rather than us forming our own opinions and ideas, we look to God who created those things to determine what he says is right and wrong. Or when we believe that the best life is found when we worship and serve God rather than serve ourselves. So when we hold those beliefs, when we, when we hold on to those kind of things and we try to love people or we try to, to share that, those beliefs with other people, there's going to be hatred. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be a lot of tension that is felt. And so often when, when we feel that tension, we go into one or two extremes, one of two. All right, on one extreme, we choose that we're going to love people no matter what, even if it means that we compromise our beliefs. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to upset people. We don't want people to be mad at us. We don't want to do anything that's going to be offensive whatsoever. So we sort of shrink back and we say, you know what, you can believe whatever you want to believe because uh, I, I don't want to get in, in the middle of that. So as long as you have love, it doesn't really matter what you believe. So that's one extreme. On the other extreme, we only care about what's right and wrong, and we only are interested in pointing out the, the sins or the mistakes of other people. So we are all about truth. We are all about those things that we believe, and we will force it and cram it down people's throats. And if they don't like it, then tough. Because we have a message to share, and we've got to make sure that we share it. And so there's no love involved. It's just judgment, and it's you're going you're gonna to listen to what I have to say. And oftentimes, for Christians, we find ourselves going in one of, of two extremes. And it can be really difficult for us to find the balance. Now, someone who knows all about the tension that that creates, that knows that really well, is Jesus. And one of the things that I love about Jesus that made him so remarkable is that he was able, he was the perfect balance of grace and love and truth. You will never find a situation or a passage in the Bible where Jesus compromised love, where Jesus failed to show not just love, but radical love to somebody. That was the reason why he came to this earth in the first place. That's the reason why he left heaven. That's the reason why he took on the cross was because of his love. And everywhere he went, especially with those people that the religious leaders and other people thought that he had no business talking to. Those people especially were the ones that he loved the most, that he displayed the greatest amount of love and grace to. But you will also never find a situation or a passage in the Bible where Jesus compromised on truth. Where Jesus didn't clearly, even in the midst of those situations, where he communicated the message that he was all about. Where he communicated what sin was and what sin wasn't. And men and women's need for a savior. Jesus did such an incredible job of making sure that that balance was in place. And he loved people, but yet he also shared the truth in the process. For example, you look at the woman at the well. 
Jesus is walking through, Samaritan woman. Jesus knows that this woman is going to be here to the point that he makes sure that he and this woman cross paths. And from a cultural standpoint, had no business talking to her. She's a woman. She's a Samaritan woman. That was frowned upon in that society. But Jesus made it a point to seek her out so that he could display his love to her. And he showed love to her and in the process pointed out the way to true life and how she could experience hope and life in him. You take the rich young ruler. This guy walks in, he's rich. He's like, hey God, what do, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gives him these laws. He says, hey, I've done all that. And Jesus knows that the thing that stands between complete and total affection is his money. And so Jesus speaks truth into his life to say, unless you're willing to give this up, you can't follow me and experience the life that I have for you. Jesus clearly communicated the truth. And even as the rich young ruler walked away sad because he didn't want to give up his wealth, even Jesus' heart, he was saddened because of his love for this man. And maybe the greatest example that a lot of us are familiar with is the adulterous woman who is grabbed by the religious leaders in the act and drug out and you know, dropped before Jesus in an effort to trap him. And basically Jesus is the only one in that crowd who shows love and forgiveness and mercy to this woman. But before, after everybody has already gone away and he offers forgiveness to her, he also tells her to go and sin no more. He also calls her to leave her life of sin and to follow him. So Jesus did an incredible job of always balancing the love that he had for people and also the truth. And in each situation he did, he was able to do both. See, what makes love so powerful is that it guides people to the truth. That's what makes love so incredible is that we don't just love them just to love them, but we love them in an effort to help them understand the truth of who God is and the plan that he has for their life. And Jesus understood that. And that's why he said in John 8, verse 32, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Jesus understood that it was the truth that would set men's hearts free and women's hearts free. That rather than going, you know, it doesn't really matter how you live, just kind of do your thing. Jesus understood that when we know truth and when we live in the truth, we experience true freedom. So again, that creates tension in a culture that you and I find ourselves in today. Where every belief is okay, where you can have yours, I can have mine, we can coexist together. It doesn't really matter what we believe as long as you don't step over that line and try to force me into your beliefs. And it feels like when we have that kind of society that there is more freedom. But in reality, when we don't live according to the truth, it creates more confusion and more chaos. That rather than experiencing freedom, it actually, when we understand the truth, we experience the greatest amount of freedom. And that's why what you and I believe matters so much. 
That's why it's a big deal for us to determine how can we love God and love each other like we talked about last week. But yet, how can we also stand firm in our beliefs about what we know to be true? So for you and I tonight, what we, the statement that we want to make about what we're going to be about is that if we are reckless, it means that we are committed to our beliefs. It means that you and I are committed to our beliefs. Now, if we're going to pull this off, there's two major barriers that you and I are going to have to get over. And some of us may find, you may, may feel like you, know, you run up against that one barrier. Maybe you struggle with both of them. But if we're going to do, if we're really going to be committed to our beliefs and honor God by the way that we live our lives, then we've got to make sure that we address and overcome these two barriers. So here's the first barrier to this. It's when we don't know what we believe. Seems kind of obvious. It's hard to be committed to our beliefs when we don't know what we believe. And according to a recent Gallup poll, here, here is what was revealed. And this is, this is a little bit frustrating. Uh, and maybe you find yourself, you line up with, with some of these. But here's what this poll revealed. It revealed that many Americans appreciate the Bible, but not many read it. In fact, there were 20% of churchgoers, all right? This isn't just the world at large, but 20% of churchgoers never read the Bible. Never, ever read the Bible. Like, not just in church, but out in their daily lives, in their weekly, monthly, yearly lives. They don't read the Bible, 20%. It revealed that only 45% read it more than once per week. So maybe you, maybe you fall in line with that, maybe you don't. And so what this poll concluded is that because of this, because of just a lack of knowledge about the Bible and spending time reading the Bible, that we have become a nation of biblical illiterates, which is fancy for saying we just don't know what the Bible says. We don't know what we believe. And again, not the world out there, but you and I who come in here to Reckless and we sing songs about who God is, but we struggle with knowing what we believe. Now, let me, let me just say, if, if you kind of fall in line with any of these stats, I'm not, I'm not saying that to call you out. I'm not, you know, you're not an idiot, any of that kind of stuff. But it, it does kind of shed a light of, on where we are as a, as a society and as a church as a whole. So here is some of the other things that it determined. Less than half of these people can name the four Gospels. All right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Less than half can, can name the four Gospels. Many can only name two to three disciples. And then we start making up names. 60% can't name uh, five of the Ten Commandments. 82% believe that God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse, which it's not by the way. Um, a handful of people believe that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham, to which some of you are going, who's Billy Graham? And what's the Sermon on the Mount? And the majority of people believe that the Bible teaches that the most important purpose in life is to provide for your family. So that just kind of shows where we're at as a, as a church at large. 
All right, and again, I'm not trying to call any of you out. Maybe some of you, are, you're very new in your faith. You're still figuring this out. You didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that to single any of you out or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to say this is where we're at. And here's the problem, and here's why this matters so much. You and I can't have maturity in our faith unless we have a strong knowledge about what we believe. How is it that you and I can live out the plans that God has for us, can be a light in the darkness, can go into the world and make disciples if we don't know what we believe, if we don't know what the truth is? Like that's a, that's a major issue for us and, so, and a barrier that we're gonna have to get past if we're actually gonna live out what God has called us to do. Now, how do we go about doing that? How do we change that? It starts with just spending time with God. And I know this is kind of the, the churchy answer and you know we hear this kind of stuff, but for us to, to know God, we've gotta spend time with God. For us to know what we believe, we've got to go back and study what the truth is. And that means that we're spending time, we're seeking after God, and we're asking God for knowledge about who he is and what he has for us. And the the sad thing is, is that for, for many of us, we don't have the slightest clue about what this is. Maybe for some of us, the only time we actually read the Bible or spend time is when, you know, when, when we read verses up here during the service or maybe in your small group. And that's really the only time that we spend any time in this. And it can feel overwhelming and it's, you know, maybe even we look at it as very boring and we don't really know what, where we're supposed to start. And so there's all these just kind of different barriers that keep us. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we just feel like this doesn't really have any kind of value. And so we just kind of throw it on a bookshelf or on the floor of our car or under our bed or maybe we don't even know where ours is. And, and this, what God has given us to help us know him and to live in the truth of who he is, we just kind of take it and we toss it aside and we just say, well, we'll just figure it out ourselves. And if you and I are gonna be the people that God has called us to be, we've gotta change that. We've got to be willing to drastically change some of the habits and some of the things in our life to make this a higher priority than it is. Because what we believe as a church and as a ministry is that this is God's word. This is the primary way that God speaks to us. And there's so much wisdom and understanding and knowledge about who he is and the plan he has for us that we've got to make it a priority in our lives. So I think what we've done, maybe more than any other time in in our ministry, is that we've tried to to give you as many options as possible. So we want to come alongside you and help you. We don't want there to be a bunch of barriers for why you don't spend time in God's word, but for us to value this together. And so there are all kinds of devotionals and things that we've got out there at the Next Steps table, more than we've ever had before. For you ninth graders in the room, there's a 30-day devotional called Freshman that is set up because we love you freshmen and we want you to experience all that God has for you. And you're at a critical time in your life where all of a sudden you're being pushed into a new environment where everybody wants to beat you up and wants to 
you know, pressure you into things and all of that. And it is really key for you guys to, to spend time knowing who God is and what he has for you. And so there is a, a devotional that's out there that's geared just for you guys as ninth graders. We've got Simply Truth devotionals that we've had for a while that's out there. That is a really great resource, especially if you don't really know where to begin. That that's a great starting point for you. Just to, it's simple, it's easy to read, it's easy to understand, and it just helps every single day just kind of give you some truth that you can put into your life. We've got other resources like that. We've even got, if you're interested in that, what we believe as a church about the essentials of our faith. What we believe about God, about Jesus, about the Bible, about salvation, about sin, about heaven and hell, all of it. All of those things that are the essentials that we've got to understand and stand firm in in order to share the hope of Jesus. And so we've even got that out there if you want to grab one of those on your way out. But for us to make that a priority, but that's a barrier for us is that we don't really know what we believe. Here's the other barrier that we run up against is that we just aren't committed. It's not so much that we don't know what we believe. We know what we believe. We're just not all that committed to it. So we compromise on it. You know, we can, we can kind of dance around it sometimes. Um, we definitely stay silent when we know that it's not going to be a popular opinion. We definitely don't center our lives around it. It's not the foundation of who we are. It doesn't dictate every decision that we make in our lives. So it's not so much that we don't know what we believe. We just don't, we aren't committed to it. It's not something that we're willing to fight for and willing to stand firm in. And so because of that, here's what Ephesians chapter 4, 14 and 15 says. It says the challenge for us is that we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. See, when you and I don't know either what we believe or we're not committed to it, then we can't share the hope and the life that Jesus has called us to share. We've got such an important message to share and something that quite honestly is too important and too valuable for us not to be committed on. For us to kind of, you know, waffle on it back and forth. Do I really believe it today? Do I really want to live out my faith or do I not really want to do that? And so we just kind of go back and forth and the message that God has for us and the plan that he has for our lives is too important and it's too critical, not only for us, but for everybody around us, for us to take it half-heartedly. But Paul says in Ephesians 4 that when we know what we believe, when we stand firm in that, we won't be tossed all around. We will be able to speak the truth in love, to find that balance. And ultimately, we will grow in our knowledge and understanding. We will become more like Jesus because we know what we believe and we're fully committed to the truth of who God is. So here's the main point for us tonight. We are reckless. People who firmly believe that Jesus is the hope of the world 
and that the Bible is the truth that guides us. People who firmly believe that Jesus is the hope of the world and that the Bible is the truth that guides us. Now, that's a statement that that I'm making, that we're making about ourselves that we want to be about. That now the challenge is, are we we actually going to live up to that? Are we going to rise up to that standard? Are we going to step out? Are we going to own our faith? And so much of what we want to, to help you guys do is not just to come in here and go through the motions, but to stand up and go, look, I'm owning my faith. This is mine. I'm taking ownership of this, not because somebody said I should or because mom and dad believe or because Pastor Brian or Todd or small group leader believes, but I am owning this. This is mine. This is what I believe and I'm willing to stand and stake my life on it. And there is a culture and classmates and teammates and neighbors and friends and coworkers and all of that who need you and I to firmly stand up for what we believe and to share the hope and the life that Jesus has, to speak the truth in love and to communicate the life that Jesus has and the life that Jesus wants to give to everybody that we come in contact with. And so the challenge is on you and me to say, are we going to do that? Are we going to own up to our faith? Are we going to own up to the truth of what we believe about God? And are we going to passionately live that out and stand up for what's right and love people the way that Jesus loves people and all the while speaking the hope and life and the truth of who God is and his ability to transform any life? And the people that we know and love and live around They are desperately in need of that. And God is challenging you and I to step up to that. Let's pray together. God, we we love you and we thank you for the fact that you reveal the truth of who you are. God, I know that there are all kinds of different struggles God, there are students in the room who don't believe at all. There are students in the room who aren't really sure what they believe. There are students who maybe they believe some of it, but then they're still trying to figure out other parts of it. God, I know that there is so much confusion at times about what we believe. And all the while, God, there is a culture out there that anytime we try to step out and we try to share our beliefs, it gets knocked down, it gets ridiculed, we get made fun of. We get called all kinds of names. And quite honestly, God, it's a whole lot easier just for us to take a step back and just hold the beliefs that we have inside and never share it. God, I pray that you would give us a clear picture of how you lived, of how Jesus went and loved people in a radical way, that he never compromised that and yet never compromised the truth. God, that you have called us to an incredible life and a life that is so incredible, God, that you are challenging us and calling us and equipping us to go and to share that message everywhere we go. God, it is too valuable for us to hide it. And so, God, I pray that you would give us clarity on 
the truth of who you are, God, that we would take ownership of our faith if we need to. God, I pray where students have never trusted you as their Savior, God, tonight that they would put their faith and trust in you. God, that we would firmly believe that you are the hope of the world and that you have given us your word as the truth to guide us. God, help us to live that out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.